This morning we're going to continue our teaching series. We're going to go through uh, the book of Acts. And uh, we've had a couple weeks now um, where we had a snowstorm there two weeks ago, so we weren't able to meet. And then last week we had Chris McLean with us from Ontario. And Chris picked up uh, different, different parts of the book of Acts. And uh, it's quite interesting because Chris was sharing last week. And hopefully get the message up this week if you weren't here last week. And he spoke about Barnabas and how Barnabas was such an encourager. And everywhere he went, he brought encouragement financially with his words, with his lifestyle. And it's very interesting because I'm sitting here, and the Sunday before, I prepared this message we're going to go through today. And because we had the storm, we just uh, and I'm going through, and it was hilarious because I was trying to be encouraging Chris, but I was like, he stole my whole sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so I would back right there. Oh man, that's what I was going to speak on last week. How did you do that? Anyway, so if there's a bit of a repeat here this morning, it's, I had to wait this week and I talked to the guys, like, should we just skip it? Because Chris has kind of already done it for a different part. Or is really God trying to say something to us? And we actually need to go through it again. So we went with the second option. And we're going to look at a very interesting passage of scripture. In uh, Acts chapter 1, because we're going to kind of go chronological through it. And it was very tempting to skip. Maybe you'll see maybe why. But I think, again, God's got something to say to us. We're going to hone in on that. And Chris kind of came away last week. And it's important that God speaks to us today. And I believe, again, this is another word for our church and where we're at. Before I begin, how many people, do you remember last week, made the promise to encourage three people this week? Okay. Good hands. Now, how many people follow through with? Oh, there we go. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, that's good. Way to go. So, I wish we had time to hear some of the ways that you encourage people this week, but I trust that you did. That's great. All right, here we go. Let's pick it up again from Acts chapter one. So, again, the context: the Book of Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Really, it's the Acts of Jesus after He's gone back to heaven. So, we see in the Gospels. The acts of Jesus when he was here physically on earth. Now, as we've just seen, Gary did a couple weeks ago, the ascension. Jesus returns to his Father in heaven, and we're getting ready for him to send the Holy Spirit. And these are some of the things that take place with the early church as they're getting ready. We're going to pick up next week after chapter 2, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes. So get ready for that. Here we go. So you've just seen Jesus return, and it says this. Then they, as the disciples, returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. And all these were, were with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, and coming their persons was about, in all, about 120, and said. So, you kind of get a picture, gathered, it's great. Again, just as sort of a bite, just a little money trail, but it's great. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, does a great job of including women in his writings. So you look at the book of Luke, he includes women all the time. Eileen's got her hand in the air. Luke does the same thing. What a radical thing, again, for women to be included in what was taking place is fantastic. So it's great that Luke mentions that. Let's keep reading. Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a god to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. And again, Luke writing to people who might not know the story, this 
flashlight going. You can see why it would be easy to see this, but there it is. This is what happened. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem that the field was called in their own language, Agalthama, that is, a field of blood. Man, if I will realize real action. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate, and that there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Be Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry of apostleship which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So, Father in heaven, we pray today that by your Holy Spirit you come teach us, come teacher. We pray, open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, that God you would speak to us, you hear what you want to say to us today, and we be changed as we put your word into practice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so a couple things we're just going to do. Um, for the first part, and then I'm going to go through this first part quite quickly and get to part two and three. And basically, again, it's a reminder that even though Jesus has returned to heaven, okay, Jesus is in charge, okay, and Jesus calls. And we see back in the Gospels that Jesus called the first 12 disciples, and you can see that in Matthew 10 and Mark 3. Uh, you can read it in there, and how Jesus went, and he prayed all night, and he prayed to his father, and he went, he called, out of this large number of people, he called 12. And you see that, and how, really, it's a partnership between Father in Heaven and Jesus. He prayed all night, seeking God, to know which of the 12 that his father had called. And then he called them to be with them, to walk with them, to be with them those three years. And Jesus calls. And we say, we see that, Peter believes, along with the disciples at a replacement, need it. And they say, well, why, why do we need that? And it's really fascinating, because Peter quotes two psalms there. He quotes from Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. And I'll just read you just a little bit. They're both psalms of David. And again, David in the Old Testament, a lot of the times, uh, is really a foreshadow of Jesus coming. And I'll just read you a snippet from Psalm 69, and how Peter and the disciples, remember, we read a couple weeks ago in Luke 24, when they were walking with Jesus, and Jesus, after the resurrection, it says he opened up their minds to the scriptures, to the law of Moses, okay? Remember he says to the prophets. And now the disciples have a radically new view of the Old Testament. Okay, so it's really important we understand that. What was hidden before has now been revealed. Jesus opened their minds to the scriptures, and their hearts were burdened within them, understanding, wow, the whole testament actually points to Jesus. And in this, we can read Psalms of David, and it's powerful because we just read what it says the Holy Spirit inspired David. So there's a great one about how this partnership, how the Bible is written, it's between God and man. Psalm 69. Imagine David writing this, but can you imagine Jesus saving him from the garden, reading, reading this? Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Imagine Jesus on the cross saying that. Powerful. 
Jesus on the cross saying, I am worn out calling for help. I feel the scars of my eyes failed looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without cause. Those who seek to destroy me, I am forced to restore what I did not steal. Hundreds of years before Jesus, David reading that out. Okay? He says, you know, for I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. He says, for zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. He keeps going to sit at the gate and walk with me. Goes all the way through. And Peter quotes, and Psalm 109 is very similar, about Judas in those songs and how they needed to replace Judas. Okay, there's a lot in there. I mean, the book of Acts, we could be years going through it. We went through it line by line. There's so much in there. Just to say, Jesus also connected the 12 disciples to the 12 tribes of Israel. And you can see. When you read the communion story, you read in the book of Luke, he actually talks about how the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples, are going to sit, okay, they're going to judge one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He connects that in there. So it was really important, I guess this is the point, it's really important for Judas to be replaced. <coughs> we don't quite fully understand that, but it was really important. And it was a fulfillment of scripture. And then, again, Peter, and they just set up the qualifications for the original apostles. And you know what, later on in Acts, this is why I'm trying to set the ground. So remember, we've got a lot, of, a lot of room to go. There is something about the 12 apostles that are unique to them themselves. Okay, we're going to talk about apostles later on. But we're just kind of setting the stage. Jesus is the chief apostle, the one who was sent, the master builder. And then there's these original 12 apostles. And we're going to talk about apostles and that, that gift later on. But just to say, these 12, this was qualifications. They saw Jesus physically. And they went all the way back. They said, we need somebody who was there when John baptized Jesus, who was part of the ministry, who saw death, resurrection, and ascension. And there must have been a lot to pick from, because they narrowed it down to two. Right? <coughs> the qualifications of the original. But Jesus calls. Jesus called the twelve. Okay, Jesus called Peter. Jesus called. Okay, and we're going to see Jesus leading today as well. Jesus leads. They said, you, Lord, who know the hearts of all, so which one of these two you have chosen to take the place of this ministry and apostleship? And again, we have to state it. Jesus leads his church. And Jesus said to the disciples, I'm going to build my church. Gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And Jesus, when he was physically on earth, he chose to call people all the time, didn't he? Okay? Call people all the time. And now he's returned to heaven, and the disciples are still waiting for the Holy Spirit. There's something fundamental here in chapter 1, and as Peter and them were together, that has to be grounded in. Even though Jesus has returned physically to heaven, Jesus still leads his church. It's really important that Jesus leads his church today. Jesus still evolved, even though he ascended back to heaven. Now, we might want to show it. We know this. Why are you hammering this home? Okay? A couple of reasons. One is, some people have the view of God, okay, that God created everything, but, you know, it's the whole amount of the clock and set it into motion, and God's removed from it. Okay? Some people feel that about Jesus in the church as well. But Jesus, yes, was here. Jesus started church. But when he returned to heaven, he kind of left us to figure it out. Okay? And we're saying, fundamentally, stake in the ground, Jesus leads his church today, even though he's not physically here. We are 
body. He's the head. Okay? We are the people of God. Okay? He's our king. Okay? We're the citizens of heaven. Okay? But Jesus is the president, the prime minister. All the examples. We're the temple of God. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Okay? Whatever example we want to use in the Bible, there's many that talk about the church. It's fundamental that we know Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus leads his body. Okay? Stake in the ground. No debate. Jesus is the leader. So how many times have you heard here, he said, Jesus is the senior pastor of his church. Jesus is the great shepherd. He's the overseer of our souls. And he delegates to us. So he's the head. He's the leader. We also see that Jesus reveals. It's fascinating, even here, how this is a great example of how to make a decision. How does Jesus reveal his will to us? Well, there's many ways we just learn here. First of all, the scripture. Peter started the whole thing off by quoting scripture and saying, it had to be fulfilled because of this. So the word of God played a big part in hearing from God and and Jesus revealing truth. Hey, this is applicable for us today. Folks, we've got to be in the word of God. We've got to be reading scripture and saying, God, you teach me. I might not understand, but God, Holy Spirit, you come and show me. We've got to get along with others who might be a bit further along with us in our faith and say, you know, I don't understand this. Can you help me out? We're going to be reading good theology books that people have wrestled through some of these things. Sometimes it's hard. Some Christians believe this. Some Christians believe it. Sometimes we've got to figure out where we land in that. It's always a difficult thing. It takes work. But we need to do it. And God speaks to us through his word. God speaks to us through common sense. Common sense was, you know what? We need to pick somebody who knows all about Jesus. Okay? That wasn't rocket science. Common sense. We need to pick someone who saw Jesus, who saw the dove descend on the Holy Spirit, John's, when he baptized him. We need someone who's seen Jesus in action. We need someone who saw him on the cross. We need someone who saw him after the resurrection. We need someone who saw him. It wasn't just the twelve. There was others. There. Common sense. So the word of God, we've got to replace Judas. Common sense. These are the qualifications. What else did they have? They prayed. They've been praying together. They're all in the same room, one accord, Devoted to seeking God. Folks, that's why prayer is such a big deal. That's why we pray every Sunday night together. And that's why our life groups were praying. They are individual times. Sunday mornings, groups gather to pray. All of those things added together reveal what God's will is. Okay? We recognize the Lordship of Jesus. We recognize Jesus isn't Paul. They said, Lord, you know our hearts. You know our hearts. Jesus was involved. He is we sang about this morning, didn't we? Jesus, your Lord of all. It's not just a title, it's actual reality. Jesus is involved in their lives. And it's interesting, because now the Holy Spirit hasn't been given. And once this is the last time we read in the New Testament about the using an Old Testament way of figuring out God's will. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because in the Old Testament, they cast lots a lot of times. That's how God... Well, here, it's amazing. I mean, you're kind of reading it going, did they really do that? They cast lots, you see, between the two. That's the last time we read about it in the New Testament. And now, the Holy Spirit comes. And every other appointment you see in the, in the book of Acts, it's some combination of the Holy Spirit and the apostles and the leaders of the church appointing other people for leadership. We don't read about using lots anymore. So that's a great combination. If you're on Alpha, you're going to hear about this about on the talk about how does God guide us. There's a quick preview. A lot of it's right there. Okay, God guides us and reveals Himself to us from the Word of God. He uses common sense. 
uses Jesus as Lord. Jesus calls, Jesus leads, and he uses the Holy Spirit. What a great combination for making God decisions. And we see this. Now I put down to this point, Jesus knows our hearts. This is absolutely scary and comforting at the same time. This folks, you can have all the qualifications, okay? Matthias, Joseph, our Sabbath, they saw Jesus, they fit all the categories. They saw Jesus, they saw his baptism, they saw his life, they saw his death, they saw his resurrection, they saw his ascension. Okay? And what's, what else is included in there? Okay? Peter, they prayed, Jesus, Lord, you know our hearts. You know all things. And that's to me, that is absolutely A little bit different from probably any other job interview you're ever going to go to. They're not quite sure how many are going to sit down and say, hey, your qualifications are here, but we're going to pray now. We're going to say, Lord, you know this person's heart. Help us decide. Only in the church does that happen. Or outwardly happens. Some of you, I know, pray fast. When you're an employer, trying to seek an employee, and vice versa. But outwardly, it changes everything. So, Christianity and even things in the church aren't just about your resume, although that's important. God looks at the heart. We see that with the life of David, didn't we? All his older brothers, we, you know, Samuel thought, oh, here comes Jesse's first son, big, strong guy. Surely he's going to be the king. Next son, next, next, next. They're all there. Uh, do we have anyone else? Oh, yeah, we got David out in the field. Go get him. God taught Samuel a lesson, didn't he? People look at the over things. I look at the hearts. So, folks, this is a big God knows our heart. And it's absolutely terrifying in some ways, because I don't know about you, but I got stuff I don't want you to know about. Okay? Now, hopefully, it's less and less as I grow and mature in Christ. I don't want you to see me on my worst day. Okay? I don't want you to see me sometimes, my motivation. All those things. How any of us are qualified and told by God's grace, isn't it? That's the comforting thing. God, you know my heart. You know how I fail. And God, I repent of this and I confess this and I do everything I don't have about God. Help. God, you know my heart. It's scary. We think we can fool God. You might be able to fool me and fool other people with manipulation and all those different things, but you're not going to fool Jesus. That's the scary part. Comforting part is this. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And yet, because of his grace, he still loves us and he still chooses to use us. And at the end, if anything good happens, Jesus gets the glory. I boast in Jesus. I don't boast in my own gifts. I don't boast in my own wisdom. I don't boast in my own money. I don't boast in anything, but I boast in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You see, early church, early days, Things are getting established right in chapter 1 of the book of Acts. The disciples are messed up. And Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Jesus is like, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Those things only the Father knows. And he's establishing. He's the head of the church. He's Paul's. Jesus leads. Jesus knows. Folks, it's the same thing today. Jesus calls and he leads today. And folks, this is what I think Chris was speaking into, I should say God was speaking through Chris, 
So we had planned with Christmas here last weekend. As you know, we had a shared good news weekend, and we had a Friday night and Saturday morning. And then Chris was going to continue to speak into that. He was going to speak uh, about Philip, uh, meeting the Ethiopian. And uh, at the last minute, we just thought, you know what, I feel like we change everything. And I'm going to go with Barnabas. And we didn't even have all the notes prepared and all that. I was noticed the one slide last week, eh? Barnabas? <laughs> just like I really feel God saying this. And I want to speak into it because these, this is the main point. Okay? And now you get to kind of hear it from me as well. And I do want to just say again. I was going to say this two weeks ago. Did I mention that? <laughs> so, so I, I think I was here from God as well. Okay? Just to say that in there. Okay? Jesus calls, Jesus leads today. And this is one thing, again, that we've taught on many times, we need to go over again and again. Folks, there's one body, but there's many parts. And we have different gifts, different roles, and different functions. And that's the way Jesus has set it up. That's why we're so happy that Jesus is the head of his and as we read through it all the time today, we're going to see more of this as we go through the book of Acts. Jesus is the one who calls. He calls us individually. It might be a corporate thing. Jesus touches our hearts individually. He speaks to us corporately as one body. The Bible says, you can read it in 1 Corinthians 12, 15, 14, the Spirit gives the gifts as He decides. And all of us have a gift of tongues. And all of us have a gift of interpretation. And all of us have a gift wisdom, or gift of help. Okay? We can go through all the different lists. Not all of us have the gift of giving, not all of us have the gift of faith or administration, but some of us, we know all the ones we don't. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Okay? Some have more gifts than others, some are more stronger in some gifts, some seem to be have all kinds of gifts. Okay? Guess what? Those are given by the Holy Spirit. Now here's the key. You can't be afraid, or you can't be jealous, to work on the gift that God's given to us. God gives us different roles and different functions. I think a great example, you don't have to look any further than our eldership team. You have Harry Kevin and I. You can't get any more different people than the three of us working together. They laugh all the time because we are so different. But it's great. We have different personalities, different gifts, different roles even within eldership that we work together. We work together as a team, and we're glad that each other covers our weaknesses, and we can cheer each other along. We don't have to be jealous of one another. And we laugh all the time during this day. Some other meeting, you know, we're like, imagine if it was Gary and Angela who were leading the church. Okay? It would be like, get this party started. It would be just like, would be just like party central. It's right? I'm going to add Kevin there as well. And Marilyn, I think you know where she fits. Marilyn would be the social butterfly after party. <laughs> it would just be one big party. It would be a great time. If it's Kevin, Barbara, I, we'd be like, when does the party start? Who's organizing the party? Who's stuff to the party? Who's got the invites? And then it would be. What are they doing?
keep going. All right? Um, or a pastoral. Now, what people are going to think about this? What people are going to think about that? You're going to make sure people are aware of this. Kind of makes the thing very unbelievable to think of. Okay? I used to think I was organized until you feel the strong. You just have that strong self ability. Well, we need to do this. We need to do that. If you're going to do that, I'm here. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. Here's the thing. 
What about Joseph Bartzak? Have you ever thought about this guy? I asked people this week, okay, who was called by Jesus to replace Judas? And most people said, oh, so well done. said, now who was in the top two? Okay, who got excluded from it? This is what Chris was honing in on last week. Can we talk about Barnabas? What about Joseph Barsad? Here's the question. And I want to show you my notes from a couple weeks ago that say, I had this person. Way to go, God, that really wants to speak with us. That's right. I am. I accepted a very soft because I ran on Chris preacher brother. Do you think about it, okay? Honestly, just think about Joseph Barsad for this. This guy was around first 12 disciples were picked. You look at the criteria. He was, let's pick somebody who was there from John the Baptist, baptizing Jesus, all the way along. I believe Joseph Barsabbas was probably there, right? For the early days, following Jesus. Can you imagine him getting Jesus picks 12? He's not it. Years go by, all these things happen. Guess what? He made the final two. He has Okay, they narrowed it down to two, and then they prayed. They said, Lord, you know our hearts, and they cast lots, and Matthias it was, and Joseph Barsabbas. Now, I just try to put myself in Joseph Barsabbas' shoes for a minute, and I can think of all kinds of things I would say. I would have some good one-liners. Okay? And it would have been something like this. I would have said, let's do best two out of three. <laughs> three out of five, let's just keep going, roll those dice, let's just... Let's do best of three. Rock, paper, scissors. Let's go. Okay? Imagine, here's Peter denying Jesus, and Peter's going to have to pick it. It's Peter, anyways. Okay? Imagine going around, oh, Matthias. Yeah, they really need Matthias. Matthias sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could have said all kinds of different things. Now, the interesting thing is, we don't really know much more about him. But, reading through all the different commentators, there's kind of a split on this one point. I'm going to read it, and I'm not saying that we know for sure, but I think we can have enough license to be able to say you get the point. You read this later on in the book of Acts. Okay? They had the big meeting in Jerusalem because the Jews and Gentiles all that thing, they pulled together all the apostles and elders and everybody. They made some decisions. Let me read it. I'll just read it quickly from Acts 15. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, which is also called Justice, which is also called Barsabbas, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. Now many commentators believe that's Joseph Barsabbas. Now we're not 100% sure, but can you imagine if it was? How we see choices he made. When Matthias getting picked, he could have been rejected. Okay. Come on, guys. We wait another day. The Holy Spirit's going to be here. We don't even need to cast lots anymore. Peter, like, who are you? Like, you know, it's the whole who died and made you. Okay. That's the attitude you can have. You can be rejected. Consider. And Chris talked about some of those things last week. Or, you can accept and embrace. And what can you do? Say, Matthias, 
right on. I'm with you, brother. I'm going to back you up. I'm with you guys. Let's keep going. Now, folks, here's the thing. And we'll end on this. Chris touched on it, but I just want to speak into it as well. Meeting place for us as a church. If you're a guest here this morning, I think you can appreciate and understand what we're about. For us as a church, we know God's told us to get prepared that we want to plant other churches that are like ours. We want to get ready for that. And here's the thing. Sometimes we've got to pick people. We've got to ask people to do things. As elders, people to serve. And sometimes, some of you are going to feel that thing. You're going to feel overlooked. Okay? You're going to feel like, why is this person doing it? You know, like, you've got to admit, we feel those things. Okay? We're not going to shoot those, those things Happen. And the question is, we've got some decisions to make. We can become rejected bitter, or we can accept and embrace, and we can go one step further. We can encourage those in God's present hand on us. And it's when we make different positions, different roles, different functions. And folks, I'll say it over and over again, and we have to get this into our heads and into our hearts, okay? If someone goes and plants a church in Lumpton, they're not more important than those of us who are staying here at this church. You hear me loud? Folks, your mindset right here in Fredericton, if you're from a new place right now, this is a church plant in Fredericton. So if we church plant in Moncton, it's no different than that's church planting here. you got to have that mindset. And like Chris said, you haven't arrived, okay? You've gone from 30, 50, 70, 80, 100, 120, 150. You see people live change, people say that at it. We're a couple hundred people now. It's like, oh! Now we can just hit cruise and we can coast. We made it. Hallelujah. <laughs> the whole city lost. Nations here in Frederick lost. We're all church planning. Some of us might go Halifax and other places. Okay? We need you, whether you're going or staying, to be fully on board. We need your gifts. We need passion. We need your talent. We need your personality. We need your abilities. One body. Many parts. We need all hands on deck. And we need to all be about encouraging one another. We need to be about prayer. They devote themselves in unity together. Folks, prayer is everything. Seeking God together. Now I know not only don't you can't get out Sunday night, you know, that's something in the world. You're saying in your own life, are you praying the church? You say, God, you know what? Use me. Our last weekend just sharing about how sharing our faith isn't an event, it's a lifestyle. Everyday God, we have opportunities for me. It's about our everyday life. Can I pray for this person? Can I share like this? Can I invite somebody for that? We have to be doing that every day, whether we're here in Moncton, Halifax, wherever. And if you're not doing it here, guess what? Don't dream that you're going to do it automatically if you're doing somewhere else to do. Prayer. We want to be unified. We have unity of spirits. You know what? This person doing this, I want to cheer them on. Okay? I want to keep a pure heart. Say, God, maybe you're changing something in me. Hey, where do, where do I fit? Okay? I got to seek God. I need to talk these things through. I need to explore things. I need to give courage to other people. I need to be encouraged. I think God's got our attention. We're going to share these things a couple weeks ago. Chris comes and brings a very similar. <laughs> Message right here a week ago last now, last week, right here, they're saying, Church, this is very serious, this is very important. As we grow, 
more opportunity. Okay? Try to pull someone else down. They take on rejection and weakness. We want to fight. And we want to throw off those things. We want to encourage. We want to pray. We want to be unified together. Last time you're here. Okay? You said university students. Okay? You're here for a couple years. Okay? Make it the most important two years you're here. Get stuck in. Believe that you're here the rest of your life. You're going to have a mindset while I'm here. This is it, right here. I'm not going to wait four years and say, well, this is just a transition time. You're here right now. God wants to use you. We need you. Okay? Really important. You're going to have the mindset. This is a trip right here. No matter how long it's been around, okay, I'm part of it. We haven't arrived. No one else is going to, well, someone else will do it. No. Church plan, you've got 20 people. You've got to say, holy cow, we got to step up. 200 people, you got to have the same mentality. Holy cow, I've got to step up. i got to be aware. The way you're being sent or staying, you're equally important. We need you. Someone else rises up, runs past you, we need to emerge. We need to pray, we need to seek God together, and God will build his church. Hallelujah. Jesus is ahead. Jesus calls. Jesus leads.